You had a good night's sleep? You had a good breakfast? You're comfortable this morning? You think I'm leading up to something? (laughs) You're going to need all that. (laughs) Because we're going back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. We're still in a pretty difficult little section. So I want you to be ready as we go through here. This is the picture I set up for you. We're going to the dark end of the cemetery, so to speak. There are some uh, very difficult uh, things for us in this passage. The sins of lust, the sins of idolatry, the sins of witchcraft. We've dealt with those. The sins of temper, the sins of appetite. That's where we're working right now. Using that cemetery motif, uh, you've probably noticed this. There are some fancy cemeteries out there that have little road signs for the various uh, streets that go in between the sections of the cemetery. And they come up with very pretty names for them, sometimes like uh, Peace Avenue or Hope Boulevard or maybe Heaven's Walk or something like that. It always sounds so nice, doesn't it, to read those little signs. But those are there to help you remember where to find a certain grave that you seek to visit. Now, the ones you won't see are the ones that I've been sharing with you here. The section called the dirty tombstones, the creepy tombstones, or even the tragic tombstones. Those are the ones we're at, and that's the section we're on right now. And we're going back into the tragic side of the cemetery today. Stones that not only speak of terrible things, but also victims because of it. These are sins that are not done in isolation. They involve others. And when one of these stones are set up, there are several other stones placed beside it, victims of that tragedy. So here in Galatians 5, we look at this list, and trust me, folks, it's only a couple more weeks. (laughs) Then we'll get into the beautiful side that we've been looking for. But in verse 19, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're going especially into verse 20, and the first word of verse 21 today. Enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, and envying. But let's ask the Lord's help first. Heavenly Father, we come before you even right now. We're thankful that your word is written in black and white. It reveals the very things that we need to know. You do warn us, and you do... Give to us grace and mercy and forgiveness. And for these things, Lord, we thank you. You're a God who is righteous and just and holy. You're a God who is merciful, forgiving and kind. 
And in that we rest today, both things that you are, all things that you are, we rest in that. Because as simple as you have said it in your word, we can cast our cares upon you because you care for us. And there will be some burdens that we will collect as we go through a passage like this. There are memories that will come back to our minds. There are issues perhaps that have never been dealt with in our hearts. And so even in this, you're so loving and so so careful in presenting to us what is right, what is clear, what is the expectation you have for us. And you're also so wonderful in showing us that you're the solution as well. We can come to you because of the Lord Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for that. And now as we go into our study, help us, Lord, help us to to walk through this section and to lean upon your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now there are eight stones that I've mentioned here today, characteristics of the flesh at work. And if I simplified them, I would just simply say, this is what the self can do. What it can do. It's the manifestation of self-centeredness or selfishness. It is the manifestation of the desire of the flesh. In verse number 16, we saw our mandate, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. And in verse 17, we saw that that same desire has set itself against the Spirit. It's in opposition to the things of God. And so we don't, we don't have any question marks as we go through this passage. We're not looking at them and saying, well, I don't know, does God really uh, want us to, does, does he care, does he, does he uh, uh, make his point clear enough? Well, I think it's very clear as we set this down in this passage. Uh, this is true of all sin, by the way. Sin is a, a focus on self and the flesh. So you may have the words that I read just a few minutes ago, enmity, strife, jealousy, dissension, or outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, and envying. Or you may have, if you have the King James, a whole other list. They're actually the same words, uh, but they're spoken as hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, and envyings. Um, they must have been a big issue in the Galatian church because that's why he's writing this section. He had warned them, as he said in there in verse number 21, I warned you about these things. But he had also mentioned earlier in verse 15 where we actually started our study that he warned them, be careful. You bite and you devour one another. You're going to consume one another. Apparently, many of these Things that he mentions here were already active in their midst, and certainly not one of them says that you're loving your neighbor. Not one of these characteristics of the flesh says that you love to serve one another, but mostly it's through your own freedom you've turned it into an opportunity for the flesh. Uh, I really don't like this section. <laughs> it's, it's in scripture, but I don't. I don't like sections that you know look like a mirror. Uh, when we walk through these things, uh, 
we could try to excuse ourselves in some way and just, I know the world does all the time, doesn't it? It says, oh yeah, everybody does this, da 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 da. But we, we need a, a perspective that only God can give us. We need His kind of attitude, don't we? And His character. So, the first thing we noticed, and this was several weeks ago, when we came to the section of angry tombstones, uh, we found that common characteristic in several of these. Um, there's a cluster of them. Enmities, strife, and outbursts of anger. The enmities is, is a hostility that we looked at. It's a, it's a family of words that includes uh, being unfriendly or adverse or hurtful. And it even goes into the territory of prejudicial. And we've seen that manifested in our country quite a bit. But this context is addressing believers. Right? It's addressing believers. We can easily point the finger at the world, can't we? But it's a pointing at us. And we're not commended anywhere in Scripture. Tell me if I'm wrong. We're never commended to be unfriendly, are we? We're never encouraged to be hateful, are we? Scripture doesn't do that. So we, we stand here and read such a thing and we say, Okay, Lord, help me to avoid that tombstone. We saw the second one, which was strife or variance. It had to do with discord, quarrels, uh, combat, actually. The Latin word is combat or competition. Uh, differing opinions come and go. I know that. It's just the course of, of life that we do. But this is the kind of word that deals with one winner and everyone else is a loser. And so... They're going to compete to win. That doesn't go over too well, does it? Not in cooperation. Issues of cooperation. That, that's a tombstone to avoid. We saw the third one as well, which was the outburst of anger. And this is, this is an intense passion. The, a rage, a wrath, that if you break it down to the original Greek word that stands as its root, it means to butcher something. And that's pretty intense. Pretty intense kind of wrath in that sense. And of course, this is what the flesh will do. This is what it will do. And that's where anger can lead. So, we've seen those things, and the question is simply, so how, how do we do this? How do, how do we change this? Well, here's the fact. If you think that you can solve a problem of the flesh with the flesh... You only compound it. We are told not to walk by the flesh, right? Even the solutions are not to be by the flesh. The solution is given to us very clearly in verse number 16. Walk by the Spirit. That's it. Does that sound too simplistic? Now, when you break it down, it's not easy at all, is it? To walk by the Spirit is to obey Him. To walk by the Spirit is to trust Him. To walk by the Spirit is to be in fellowship with Him. To, to follow His direction. To, to know how He works and have confidence in it. We're called to do that. In other words, we submit to Him. We're dependent on Him in everything. That's a high calling, folks. But is there any other option to solve this problem? No. 
<laughs> God set it up pretty clearly, didn't he? If we are not walking by the flesh, guess how we're walking? We're walking by the Spirit. If we are not walking by the Spirit, guess how we're walking? By the flesh. Okay. So you say, well, that was uncomfortable. And now I'm just going to start. You ready? We're going into the other side of this tragic section. And this is the sign on the sign that would say, this is the Department of Jealousy. The Department of Jealousy. Five of these eight characteristics have to do with jealousy. Is that incredible? Five of the eight mentioned in verse 20 and 21 have to do with jealousy. You'd think that anger leaves behind a, a very tragic scene. Wait till you see what jealousy can do. Stone number one happens to be the word jealousy. In verse number 20, we see it about the one, two, three, four, fifth word in. The word jealousy is there. That, that's the word zealous in the Greek, which we get the word zealous from. Uh, jealousy, it does have its basic idea of having a warm feeling about something, uh, uh, whether you're for it or against it. Just this warm feeling. That, that's not fuzzy feeling. Not warm fuzzy that way. This is warm like you're starting to, what do we call it, hot under the collar kind of a thing. Uh, it's kind of leaning toward a, a passionate type of response. Now, even as we point out this word, I, I know that some people might just stop and say, yeah, but doesn't the Bible say that God is jealous? Does it? Yes, it does. And you say, well, I didn't know that. Yes. There are references to God's kind of jealousy. He has a jealousy for his people Israel, doesn't he? And it mentions very specifically that he has uh, regard for Israel like a husband for his bride. Now, we wouldn't call that the wrong kind of jealousy, now would we? Not if God's doing it. Paul said something interesting, too, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 and in verse number 1 and 2. Paul is speaking about a jealousy that he has toward the Corinthians. And he qualifies it as foolishness. He says there in that passage, I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness. But indeed you are bearing with me, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betroth you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin." He went on to say in the next couple of verses, I'm just afraid that your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ. He called it a godly jealousy. Isn't that an interesting combination of words? Godly jealousy. Now, here's what's interesting. If you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you will find in the fourth verse this very same word for jealous, and it says this, Love is not jealous. Okay, pastor, how do you reconcile these things? <laughs> Let me try at least attempt something with you here. The fact is that the Corinthians were very immature. 
very immature. They were living contrary to love. I teach my, my students Corinthians. I also teach my students hermeneutics. And our whole study is on 1 Corinthians 13. Because it sets the perfect table to understand Bible study techniques and, and understanding pretty deep concepts there. And the reality comes out this way. That everything it says love does, the Corinthians did not do. Everything that says that love does not do, the Corinthians did. Everything that it says love is, the Corinthians were not. You starting to see the picture? You can find it throughout the book. It's frightful. They were living contrary to the, the way God loves. And, and it showed in every single action. And that's a good way to just sum up the book and sum up the people. And Paul is simply writing to them, and he's even calling it foolishness later, because he says, you guys don't understand it. You are jealous in a very wrong way. And that's what he's addressing there. Because God does have, in expressing a human term, intense zeal and desire for his people. But the Corinthians were immature and they turned it just for them own, their own self. For their own gratification. That's the difference. So as we work through this list, you see jealousy here. You've got in the King James the word emulations. That's an interesting word. Emulations means to, the idea of striving after something or striving up to something. You're, you're working your way up to something. It, it's a very ill-natured rivalry. It's this, and this is the key to it. A desire to be superior and grieved if anyone excels over you. I think it's good to strive to excel, don't you? Scripture tells us that in several places. Thessalonians, excel still more, excel still more. They were good at love, and he says, do better. And we, we all take that to heart, don't we? But when you see somebody else excelling and it grieves you, oh my, let's check the heart right there. Let's see what this is all about. Spurgeon made this kind of a comment concerning it. It's a jealousy that sickens if another is praised. It pines away if another prospers. He said it was like the venom of a snake. See, the emphasis there is all on self. And that's what this kind of jealousy is that he's speaking of here. It's an intense desire for something, yes, or someone, yes. But it's a desire for one's own superiority. And that's primarily what it's attached to. Have you ever seen that jealousy at work? You ever see it at home? You ever see it in a church? That's where we get uncomfortable again. Because he is writing to believers. We can't just tack this on other, other people when we see it so clearly. It is the deed of the flesh. It works contrary to the ways of the Spirit. It will always lead to the path of destruction. Always leads that way. It never helps with unity. It never helps with peace. It is not a concept of Christian fellowship. What does it take to make somebody jealous like this? 
It's real simple. Live by the flesh rather than by the spirit. See, the flesh always seeks superiority. Do you know that? It wants to be first. And it grieves when others excel over it. I, I kind of liken it to this, and it's a simple little picture, but as you know, the, the pickup I drive with the cap on the back and the little pastor sign on the back to warn people that I'm in front of them. Uh, I find, though, that so many people don't like to follow a pickup truck they can't see around. And I get passed all the time. And usually it's by people who are going the exact same speed I am. But they just don't like to be behind. They like to be in front. So should I call them jealous? Huh. Superior? No, it's just a thought that goes through my mind. Uh, that, that human trait, and it's true, we want to be first. We want to be first. You know, that's the source of jealousy. It's self wanting its way. That's what we've been learning all along here. Now, we need to check something here. Are we planting these little tombstones along the way? In our own lives? Are, are we doing that? See, jealousy is not a single person kind of sin. It builds bitter roots. It tears up relationships. It does not rejoice when others rejoice. It does make victims. That's stone number one. Stone number two is disputes. It's also in that same passage. Disputes. It's after the words outburst of anger or wrath. Disputes. It's very much a stone of jealousy. Matter of fact, if you were using the same motif as I'm explaining here, it would sit next to it in a cemetery. Uh, the word dispute is strife, to work for hire. Now this is kind of interesting to think of this, because you're trying to get ahead at the expense of someone else at the expense of somebody else. We call it rivalry, we call it ambition, we call it selfishness. Uh, it's actually a contest in words. A contest in words. Sometimes you see the word selfish ambition uh, used for this word in the, in the English translation. But this comment I found very interesting. The overweening, overweening, Regard to one's own dignity. Boy, I have to stop and think on that one. I've seen it a lot in ministry, by the way. I've seen it in Bible colleges. I've seen books written where disputes are being set forth. Sometimes we might call them debates and make it sound spiritual, I think. But others will try to correct error in something. And we're supposed to do that as well. But when we use our very words to better ourselves at the expense of others, what are we doing? What are we doing? Are there not victims in that very act? Ever notice how... Somebody could say a word to you that's disagreeable, 
and it, right now it's still in your mind, even if they said it 10 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, and it's still there. Words are incredible, aren't they? They linger, linger for so long. What's its source? What, what's the source of this dispute he's talking about? It's fleshly ambition at the expense of others. It, it always leads, leaves a trail of victims. Always does. So, it's time to check to see if we're planting those with our words. Are we planting those tombstones as well? All right, doing okay so far? I still got a few more. <laughs> number three. Stone number three is dissension. Dissension. An interesting manifestation of jealousy. Listen to this one. I thought this was interesting. You might have the word sedition there in your text. It means to stand apart. All right? To stand apart. It, it means, well, this is kind of the picture. A civil or even a military revolt. Insurrection. Uh, mutiny. Turbulence. This person doesn't like that another person has excelled. He might not choose to use words to get ahead, like the disputer would do. Instead, he plots and he schemes. And he usually needs others to be a part of that, of course, right? So he draws others into his revolt in order to overthrow somebody else. Even in church circles, it's an opposition of all sorts to authority or to the law of the Lord. Do you know so many of David's psalms speak of his enemy's plots to overthrow him? The religious leaders in the days of Christ, remember? That seemed to be their weekly board meeting. How are we going to get rid of him? What was their problem? Was it not jealousy? And what did they use as their tool? Dissension. Unfortunately, that carried on even after Christ died, was buried, resurrected, and gone. The church started in the book of Acts, and on several occasions, it speaks to the instances where jealousy led to actions that hurt the disciples, the apostles, the people of the church. There's a jealousy there, a very dangerous form of jealousy, an action on what was in the heart. That's the word you're looking at here when you see the word dissension. It's actually taking action on what you're thinking. Wow, there's another hard one. So let's move on to four. It's got to be better. Number four is the word factions. Yes, another form of jealousy. Sometimes you might see the word heresy here. Heresy? Oh, we don't do that. You remember what they used to do with heretics in the 1500s? Burned them at the stake. Do you know when we start to understand this word, we're going to all have to go out there and get stakes and burn ourselves. What's heresy? What is that? Well, it's the idea of choosing. There's opinion here, 
there's uh, the idea of a sect, S-E-C-T. It means to stick to something. It means to cleave to something. You adhere to someone or something. You attach yourself to a person or a thing. Here's what's interesting. You come to a standstill and get stuck. I don't know how many times up in Indiana when the car slid off the road and you went into the snow ditch or the snow drift. Guess what? You were stuck. You weren't going anywhere until somebody pulled you out. This picture is interesting because the Corinthians had this problem too. Chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, Paul really goes after them for this. I'm of Paul. I'm of Peter. I'm of Apollos. And then that one religious group, we're of Christ. They had t-shirts made. They had colors. They had flags and banners. They had their own little groups that meet on certain nights. I, I only imagine some things, but the picture is Paul says, Have I been crucified for you? He brings it down to very essential questions. But how often we find ourselves dividing up because we adhere to this one, adhere to that one, adhere to this one. This is what Spurgeon said, and I love his commentary on all these words, so I bring him often to you. This is what he said. This kind of thing, this factions, this heresy, is a kind of hate that makes every man set up to create his own religion, to write his own Bible, and to think out his own gospel. I thought, wow, is that true? Do you see spiritual unity on these words? Fellowship? I know there's differences in doctrines of denominations and such. I know all that. That's not exactly what he's dealing with here. He's talking about within a fellowship. The Galatian church is the one he's addressing here. They have a problem in choosing they, they set things up by comparison. When you compare things, something has to elevate and something has to go the other way. Right? That always works that way. And when you're choosing, it somehow gratifies the, the fleshly concept of self. It gives you the concept that you've got a superior opinion to make choices with. And this does lead to division. That's what Paul had to say about it. Division. So once again, we have to ask ourselves, are we heretics? Mm. We set up these kind of stones along the way. Have we been like that? Okay, one more. But I hate to tell you this, folks. It's the worst of the bunch. It's envying. Verse 21. Envying. I'm not talking about this green-eyed monster you've heard of before. Maybe you've met him. This is the worst of the jealousy stones. It does have a lot to do with coveting. Yes, coveting. A wrongful desire to possess something that belongs to another person. Scripture says a lot about that, doesn't it? But here's the point that makes it quite unique. It's not just grieved at the excellence of somebody else, like the first word, jealousy. It has 
no desire to excel itself, but rather it will be sure to tear down that other person to his level. See what it's doing? It's not seeking to get better. It's seeking the destruction of the other one to bring them down. One has said it's a wolfish craving to impoverish him, to pull him down for the mere sake of it, to desire another's dishonor. Wow, that's a heavy one, isn't it? That's a heavy one. That's really, really the coward's jealousy. The coward's jealousy. Let's pull them all down to my level. Ouch. Do you know what pride is doing in that whole picture? The pride that we're looking at? What is it willing to do to promote itself? These are self-focused ideas. And really, when it's left to itself, when, when, when we let the flesh do its way and lead us down this dangerous path, all these victims appear. We're pulling them down. We're destroying them. We're dishonoring them. That's what this particular sin does. That's a very ugly, ugly sin. Very ugly thing. But when you're walking through this little section of our cemetery, the, the evidence that the flesh is at work is there. How can we miss it? We see it manifested, manifested all the way through here. So again, how do we solve that? Are we going to solve that by another fleshly act? We're going to, well, we're, we're going to just change ourselves, right? We're going to work real hard on our attitude. You're pretty good at that, aren't you? You can fix yourself, can't you? You know what you're applying to your problem? More flesh. If you want a similar characteristic, you go out and get poison ivy someday, just for fun. And use poison ivy as your cure. After all, it's got that gooey feel, it's kind of cool. Why don't it wipe some more on you? That's where we try to do fleshly things to solve the flesh. The answer still is the same. And I will never change it, because God's Word never changes it. We're to walk by the Spirit. You have an issue with jealousy in any of these manifestations you have here from one extreme to the other. Walk by the Spirit. Obey Him. Trust Him. Be in fellowship with Him. Follow His direction. Understand how He works. You know, the only way to know that is to spend time in the Word. Go back to it and say, Lord, show me how I'm supposed to deal with this. What I'm supposed to do. And He will lead you down the right path. He always will. That's what He does. Do you have confidence in Him? You know, that's almost like what it comes down to, doesn't it? You have confidence in something right now. Is it in yourself? Or is it in the Spirit? 
Okay, I stomped all over you today, didn't I? I stomped all over myself too, and I had to hear it twice. But we have a gracious God, don't we? A God who is our solution to these things. So I think it's good for us just to go talk to Him right now. If you have one of these issues in your heart right now, go talk to Him. That's where we need to start. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now so thankful for who you are. Yes, you know us so very well. These words could have been written this morning in this text. It could have been written to the Hillsdale Bible Church. It could have been written to me. And it was. And I thank you, Lord, for the direct way you approach these things. You know, Lord, that these things are not to be in our lives. You know that because it only causes harm. And what you want for us is good. May we have our our focus reset here. As we stand before you, Lord, you see us through and through. And you love us through and through. Why are we resistant to that? Why do we hesitate to come to the God who loves us so and proved it by giving your Son to die for us that we might have the righteousness of God in Him? You have done great things for us, Lord. Why should we hesitate to come to you now? If there is somebody among us who's wrestling with something here, maybe it spoke directly to their heart. Lord, show them that the answer is you. Draw us to yourself. We want to be your kind of people. We want to walk with the Spirit. We want to leave behind the fruit and not the victims. So encourage us in this passage, I pray, Lord, and work in our hearts. I know you are. And we'll give you the glory for this. We certainly will. In Jesus' name, amen.